welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. It is Sunday, May the seventeenth. Welcome to Game Consultant, and hey, we have quite a full program. Um, first of all, we have the regular items with Reed Things. Chris Reed is telling about esports. As you know, we had some very uh, interesting interviews uh, lined up today. Uh, we have Justin. Justin is an attorney who's dealing with legal contracts around, well, whatever, streaming, esports, teams, leaks, you name it. Um, some very nice insights that um, I think you're going to love. And, you know, it might be a boring topic, so... Um, but most of the time, what is boring is a lot of times very important. So if it's finance or it's legal, yeah, um, I would spend some time uh, on understanding it. Uh, that's the cornerstone of a successful business. And then we also have um, Joachim, of course, uh, elite game developers. Uh, this Thursday, this last Thursday, Supercell existed. 10 years, and Ilka did write a very nice article, and um, Joachim is going to tell us a little bit more about it. Um, I actually saw also something very interesting. Um, Ilya Eremev, he basically posted uh, a link where he's saying like, hey, this is a template. Uh, you can use it. You can modify it. You can distribute it with any any restrictions at all and it's an uh, a pitch deck uh, to raise money and i have to say once i actually checked it out I, I i loved it it's it's like um it's a nice flow and so i have the link on my blog so all good um yeah for the rest the news i mean i think everyone has seen news it's it's uh, it's getting a bit boring gaming is doing well blah 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 um i think uh, consoles are a bit down. I, I, I read somewhere PC stable, mobile up. Um, then I saw a very nice article of Jeff Krupp um, on Gamesbeat, how a gaming YouTuber makes money. A very interesting read. Um, so I definitely want to say check that one out uh, on Gamesbeat. Well, venturebeat.com slash games. Not sure actually how they want to call it uh but i always say games beat uh game spending in the us reached a record quarterly high in q1 to 20 really yeah no wonder um so i'm not gonna uh bore you too much with this um next quick item is as i said something about indies and you know i got i said i would actually give some indies attention so the guys from Indie Expo nicely sent me an email to new games, which I will actually cover and have the links on my uh, blog and in the description. Um, and then, then suddenly my inbox exploded with lots of people that said like, hey, can you actually uh, mention my game? Can you mention my game? So I need to come up with something like, yeah, an item that makes sense, you know. Um, but I'm definitely, definitely going to, mention it uh somewhere uh maybe on my side that i make an indie section or something if you have suggestions um yeah just mention it right i would love that 
In the meantime, we need to have a look at Nordic Game. As you all know, Nordic goes online May 27th, 28th and 29th. NordicGame.com. That's where you need to be. And um, first thing off, uh, the Studio Pack Pass giveaway that, um, well, bottom line, what Teddy said, they're looking for game developers. And the more, the better. Um, for what I'm seeing, I think uh, it expires on Wednesday, May 20th. Well, I don't know if it's uh, a very hard cutoff, but um, if you are a game developer and you want to participate in Nordic Game Online 2020, end of May, then uh, go to nordicgame.com and um, do register. I mean, it's that simple. Um, there's a co-host, Johan Torsen. He's co-hosting NG20. Uh, in the meantime, what I'm seeing on the website, they have, um, well, Eno Games seeking new talents. So that's a good one. So while you're on the site, you will actually see uh, several interesting uh, things um, at worthwhile reading. Also, Nordic Game Awards 220. The nominees, the nominees are. Uh, no, now. So it's uh, Nordic Game of the Year nominees, uh, Nordic Game of the Year, small screen nominees, best art, best game design, best technology, best audio. Oh, it continues, of course. Yeah. Best fun for everyone. I like that one. Best fun of everyone. And uh, best debut and best VR, XR. It's quite a list. And so again, I'm urging you to go to nordicgame.com, make it happen, help the guys of Nordic. They've been there so many years for us, and this is the time where we can be there for them. Let's support our community and sign up, register, and let's meet and greet Nordic. Well, um, I actually got an email and the email was saying like, hey, the podcast of Game Consultant is in Feedspot's top 40 gaming podcasts. And um, as you all know, uh, there are some people in the world that really want to challenge me with very difficult names that is very hard to pronounce. So in every week, there is one or two people that... Um, are really forcing me to the max. So uh, here's to you, Andrew Argabal. If I say it wrong, sorry. Um, but Andrew Argabal, he's the founder of Feedspot. And um, I, um, I I submitted the website on Feedspot. And um, uh, he basically said, well, congratulations. You're being selected uh, by a panelist. Yay. And um, so he wants to give me a high five in a safe way. He does it via a digital email. And um, I thank you for the contribution to this world. Well, anyways, you know, um, I have the link uh, in the blog because uh, there were a few podcasts that I even didn't know about. Uh, so I, I started to listen to a couple of them and really interesting. So 40 podcasts. Um, I'm actually somewhere on spot 26. But then again, I started in January. That's my defense. Anyways, but um, 
thank you very much, uh, Anju. And uh, yeah, and for you that are listening or you that is listening, check it out now. So love to the Indies, love to the Indies. Um, so yeah, I got an uh, an email coming in, and um, it's it's the, the developer. Let, let me start with that. That's Monster Finger Games, and Monster Finger Games. Uh, I got the assets and official trailer images and and videos, and. Um, we have lost contact with the ship that's coming. The last communication received was over 48 hours ago. Around the same time as the annual bring. Yeah, right. Hey, uh, the game is called Alien Scumbags. Um, well, what can I say? The ship Nostrami has been incommunicado for 48 hours. We need you, Master Chef, to, with your abnormality size hat, to investigate. Um, features 10 areas, of course, carnage to cause carnage, lovely handcrafted 8 bit graphics. Actually, I like the graphics, and, and funny enough, um, what you just saw uh, or heard actually it was funny too. Um, Game Jolt here, the launch is available, Steam in May to 20. The price is six dollars, or better said, a little bit less than five pounds. Platform is the PC for Windows. So James, James Ross is his name. I got some uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, monsterfingergames at mail.com. That's interesting. I actually wanted to say gmail.com, but it's mail.com. And then the website, monsterfingers, no, monsterfingergames.com. Yes. Um, so... Then I also got from Mario from IndieExpo.net uh, two other ones. Um, first of all, it's a laser. Um, I hope I'm saying it right. Um, laser, let me see. What is it? It's a um, physics-based 2D platformer with cloud simulations. Actually kind of funny. Set in a cyberpunk city called Alpha City One. Um, obviously, I have more info on the blog, so check it out. Um, funny enough, now I'm getting an email in from another indie. Thank you for that. <laughs> Come on, guys. There's so many minutes in this podcast I can use. Um, the other one is Vibrant Ventures. Um, what can I say about it? They're actually doing a Kickstarter. Let me put a link of Kickstarter then. Oh, that's sweet. Um, let me put the link of the Kickstarter campaign on my blog. And um, not so much info they share, but I'm looking at graphics and I'm looking at very nice music. Uh oh. Vibrant Ventures. Um, so, uh, links on the blog. Check it out. And power to the indie. Love for the indie. So, keep sending me some fun stuff that I can actually share with my audience. Thanks, guys. Until next week with the indies. Next up, Chris. Chris talks about esports with Rethinks.
Hey guys, welcome back to another Rethinks. Uh, today I want to talk about esports ecosystem for kids and future elite athletes in esports. Uh, I want to start with this article uh, called from Common Sense Media. And I want to talk a little bit about um, the partnership that's been developed between uh, the National Federation of State High School Associations, the NFHS, and the Online Gaming Network Play Versus. Uh, this was back in 2018. Um, the uh, first season started October 2018, and high schools can organize teams, train, and compete against each other. The NFH, NFHS provides a ground rules framework and support. Play Versus provides a network over which the games are played. Students just need to bring a laptop or use one from their school. And as with any extracurricular activity, enthusiasm, determination, and a competitive spirit. Um, when I go over this, and, and there's a number of other programs that are being developed here in the U.S. and, and across other countries that's building out the ecosystem for kids uh, within esports. You know, I, for me, it, it takes me back to um, kind of my on the traditional sports side of wrestling. And in eighth grade, uh, come my friends that you know said something about this wrestling club. And I'm like, what is what is this? I'm not even sure what this is. So growing up in the in the U.S., kind of the Midwest, is more of a baseball basketball feel, and and um, that's where a lot of kids traditionally play. And, and wrestling is way down the list. But yeah, in eighth grade, we went to a wrestling club and um, really fell in love right from the get go. But you know, from the and then from there, being a, a three time state placer in Kentucky, uh, went on to coach right out of school. Um, coached two state championship teams in middle school, had multiple state placers I've coached over the years, 30 to 40 of those, and then multiple state champions. And the reason I bring that up is if it wasn't for that wrestling club, I may have never gotten involved in wrestling. So it's so important to be able to provide that ecosystem. Um, and you know, you know, for me, I look at esports really the same way, you know, it's so fascinating because obviously esports is global and you have so many different types of cultures um, and each culture builds it out a different, a different way. And, and countries are at different levels. And you look at, I think you look at the United States uh, and you look at other countries. I think the U S is behind in some regards when it comes to, you know, how ingrained it is into culture. And, um, and I think there, there's a significant gap between the U S and other, some other countries. And I think it starts with, I think it starts with the youth. I think it starts with the youth development and, and training these athletes at a young age. And, Having them identify themselves as an esport athlete. Um, now, look, we, we we don't have enough time to dive completely into all this and how the different you know the differences between esports and traditional sports and um, you know like the NFL is not disrupting itself by coming out with new forms of football and all that. I don't really want to necessarily get into that, but I just wanted to highlight the fact that it's very important to create out these ecosystems and and you look at. Um, just where esports has gone over, over the even it's here in the U.S. over the last five years, um, you're seeing much more of a, a bottom-up approach, uh, growing out the you know the grassroots side of things and trying to connect these these kids to to give them the opportunities uh, to compete with each other, learn how to be an athlete, uh, learn about learn about mental health, learn about mental toughness, physical performance. And you know the idea and concepts around they are they are athletes, and there's a performance layer to all of this that will not stop that momentum when it comes to esports performance. Um, and, and so we keep adding different layers to create the ability for them to become elite athletes. Um, so it's, it's just fast. It's really cool to me to talk about that. Um, that's that needs to continue because the competition is just going to get it's going to get more fierce, and quite frankly. You're going to have to get started earlier, the mindset around it, being able to 
um, the social layer of it to if you're playing a title um, that's a team game, being able to, you know, be able to um, take take it to a different level with your teammates and understand the psychology of it. Now, if you're playing a, a single, you know, if, if you're playing a solo game and understanding yourself, mental toughness, there's just so many different things. I get I get excited about it. I know it's turned into a rant, but this thing, it needs to continue. Um, I'm excited to see the different programs and protocols in place, um, you know, on the local level, um, from the country level, and then just worldwide, the just different cultures. And um, it's just going to make the whole ecosystem that much better long term. But I'd, I'd like to hear from you. I, I want what I really would like to get some feedback and to be able to take this this uh, overall macro idea and macro conversation and be able to do more episodes on this, because I would like to hear of, of different things that's going on. Uh, that's to create the, the the mental performance and physical performance of of kids and kind of building out um, um, you know that ecosystem. So I'd like to hear a little more about uh, what's going on kind of in your area. If you would send me uh, a message on LinkedIn, it's Chris Reed C R I S R E E D, or you can send me a message on Twitter, it's at the Level Up EXP. But yeah, just really interesting stuff. Uh, again, that article is from um, um, Common Sense Media. If you want to check that out. And hope you have a um, hope you have a good day. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Chris. Uh, next up, Joachim, Elite Game Developers. Thanks, Reinout. Hi, it's Joachim here from Elite Game Developers. This week, I'm going to be sharing what was on our newsletter on Friday, the Elite Game Developers newsletter. You can find that under our blog at elitegamedevelopers.com slash blog. There we have all our previous newsletters. So this week we looked at uh, Ilka Pananen, the CEO of Supercell. He was writing an interesting article on the 10 years of Supercell, all the learnings for people who are also building games companies. Uh, I wanted to dig deep into like what he's saying there, what kind of reflects to me on the topics that he he covered. So there were things like uh, a lot of discussion about Simon Sinek, who's the, the author of uh, the Infinite Game book, which basically talks about companies staying in the game versus trying to win the game. So playing the long term. And that's I really love that uh, like philosophy of building a company for the long term and not trying to gain an exit in two to three years and then just quickly move on. That's not how great companies are built. Besides the supercell analysis that we did, we, we actually finally got the audiobook out this week, the long-term game, how to build a video games company, which I wrote during last year. Uh, the audiobook is now on Audible, so you can find that there by looking for a long-term game, how to build a video games company. On our blog, we covered the nine lessons of understanding gaming investors, which is from a presentation I did in February of this year, where I went through the things that I've seen uh, from my discussions with investors from the last 15 years on how they're looking at gaming and how that has been, been evolving. And in our podcast, the Elite Game Developers podcast, we, we had Michael Chang, 
from Makers Fund talking about the ways that they're helping founders in gaming and how they approach, uh, like understanding interesting things that the founders are going after and then backing those founders. So yeah, uh, and please note that next week we're going to have a webinar on long, long-term engagement in games like Archero and what you can learn from Midcore. So that will be happening next week. You can find the links on the newsletter if you go to elitegamedevelopers.com slash blog. All right, that's everything from this week. Uh, back to you, Reynald. Thanks, Joachim. And um, so the guys actually are doing this uh, already for quite a few weeks, Chris and Joachim. So, Chris, you can find on LinkedIn the Level Up Experience. Um, I'm actually also seeing something in my inbox that I need to check quickly while I'm actually... Well, I can actually just talk and, and tell you about... What is Chris doing? Chris is doing all kinds of uh, uh, interviews on uh, LinkedIn, uh, the level up experience. Chris is not with the H, it's C-R-I-S, and then his last name, Reed, R-E-E-D. And um, so next week, um, if I'm right, I'm doing an interview. Yeah, that's next week, the 22nd um together with chris so that's going to be fun i know that he did ask uh joachim but i'm i didn't have any feedback if joachim is joining and joachim is of elite game developers so elitegamedevelopers.com um he's giving a uh, very good and solid uh feedback on game developers games people uh um, how to raise money how a cap table should look like you know exactly what you need and um so these guys are actually helping me out with really super duper uh interesting uh items and i really wanted to say thanks to them um if you want to find joachim on linkedin uh and also check out his podcast it's joachim achren and um if you check out my um uh, blog or uh, description you always see a link to his linkedin and the same for chris but maybe you can't wait and you just want to check it out right now could be uh anyways um now it's time to actually have my uh main interview and it's with justin and uh justin is everything that is concerning to legal and legal i always say it's it's a necessity but an important necessity. So, um, uh, yeah, what, what did we talk about? Well, he wasn't able to just mention specific players, but he can mention some of the titles, Call of Duty, uh, uh, so the Call of Duty Pro League, Overwatch League, uh, Fortnite, PUBG, 2K League, Halo, well, the whole thing. So, um yeah, an entertainment and esports uh, attorney and, and, and an author. Uh, and he is basically representing athletes, musicians, producers, songwriters, DJs, fashion designers, and is now also professional gamers, esports organizations, and teams. Um, as they say in the US, he's the rising stars by uh, super lawyers, super lawyers uh, for the last five years. So. Um, Quite a CV has built up, and um, uh, 
uh, people like the eSports Observer, eSports Insider, they uh, they all ask his advice uh, when they write certain articles. So we we basically uh, had a very fun interview and um, well, check it out, listen to it, and um, I sure as always, I'm 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 I'm. Definitely want to hear your feedback on this. <laughs> All righty, here we go. The week of esports. Um, as uh, last episode was about Southeast Asia, um, I was impressed by by the numbers. Uh, we talked also about legal and. Um, as I ended that episode, uh, legal and esports is a necessity. And uh, today I, uh, I'm talking to Justin, Justin Jacobson, and he knows everything about legal. So, uh, and why? Well, he's an esports and entertainment attorney coming from New York City. Um, he has the experience of working with uh, professional gamers, streamers, coaches, esports teams, organizations, and you can call it. And that is a diversity of services he uh, he's doing. Contract review, I'm reading, negotiations, drafting trademarks, copyrights, visas. And that's actually an interesting one because uh, I've seen many, many gamers that actually had to come uh, to the U.S. And that was trouble. So uh, something I need to ask him. Um, so, hey, uh, Justin, welcome. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's... Uh, it's fun. Uh, also, the talk that we had before this interview, um, uh, I, 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 I immediately going to ask you just, hey, introduce yourself. So, yeah, you know, I'm Justin Jacobson. I'm an entertainment and esports attorney in New York City. So, as you had mentioned, I work with professional gamers, streamers, teams, as well as athletes, musicians, and, you know, fashion designers and creative people. And I really assist them with all their legal and business matters. So whether contract, review, trademarks and copyrights, visas and business matters, tax stuff, and really anything related to the winnings from tournaments and streaming revenue and anything yeah. else that is related to their career. First question, a programmer and his team, they win uh, a million. Is that taxable? Yeah, all tournament winnings are. It's, you know, it's considered yeah. income. And it's you know usually taxable based on where they want it. So if you want it, you know, overseas and say in the U.S., that money would be subject to you know that country's yeah. tax rate. So if I would come with my Dutch team, I need to pay the taxes in in the U.S. and then take my money to Holland. Okay. Exactly, and then probably pay their money yeah. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so how, how did you actually uh, end up in in in, in esports? How how is that? <laughs> How's that happening? I mean, uh, a lot of people perceive uh, the law uh, legal as something boring. I always call it's a necessity. You have contracts that you ne never look after until something is going wrong. And then, yeah, you, you're happy that there are contracts. But how did you how did you get uh, into esports? Well, yeah, no, I started in more the entertainment and music and sports world. And you know, about four years ago, I kind of, you know, I've always been a gamer, always played, you know, video games. I was definitely a big StarCraft and StarCraft 2 guy. And, you know, I was kind of flipping through the channels. And when I saw on TBS, E-League, where kids were 
you know, playing Street Fighter for like 250,000. Mm. And then I just kind of really started to explore the area and see, you know, what other professionals were in it. And I really noticed that there was a lane that I could come in and, you know, work and work with teams as well as the talent and bring some of this expertise from the traditional entertainment and sports world. Because yeah. there, there are similarities between global sports and, and, and esports. Yeah, I mean, it's all really kind of like an influencer, like a brand, you know, it's all about marketing and sponsorship. And you, you know, while it's you're selling records or you're, you know, getting a sponsorship deal, it's just a different kind of income. Instead of streaming from Twitch, you're getting different ad revenue. Instead of a headset sponsoring you, a soda company is sponsoring you. So it's, you know, a lot of similar kind of issues yeah. that come up. Yeah. So if you... um if you look at esports right now to 20, I mean, um, yeah, obviously COVID-19 uh, revenues are down in esports, uh, mainly due to events that are being canceled, the merchandising. So, but the rise of watching esports or watching uh, people play games online, that, that is magnificent. I mean, um, to that, thank you COVID-19. Um, but, but, I mean, when the year started, how, how were you looking at, at 220 uh, and esports? Well, yeah, I mean, I thought that it was starting to really gain momentum and you started to see more people from the traditional sports world and entertainment world coming into it. And, you know, as you said, I think COVID-19 really just kind of co-signed and proved the model where it's like, yeah, you know, streaming and Twitch and figuring out ways to do things online and through the internet in the digital space that is the future and it shows people who maybe didn't really give esports and watching other people play video games that much credibility to be like oh wow look you know thousands of people are doing it this looks fun all these professional athletes and big musicians and celebrities that we all know and love you know they're doing it too and you know i think it really just kind of confirmed yeah. things you know initially when the year was starting i was definitely thinking i was going to have a lot more you know, in-person stuff, yeah. as you mentioned, you know, from networking type stuff to just, you know, events yeah. hosted. Yeah. But, you know, you have yeah. to adapt. So most of your dealings, <clears throat> dealings right now, those are via phone, uh, Zoom, these kind of things, I guess. Yeah, you know, I'm quarantined up here and just outside yeah. the city. And, you know, thank God for the internet. So I'm able to email and phone calls and Skype and Discord and, you know, all the other digital communications yeah. that we yeah. have. and. So, if you look at uh, well, let's let's say differently. So, people are listening right now, and and they're in esports, and they say, like, yeah, okay, well, uh, I'm doing X, Y, Z. How important is legal for uh, all the stakeholders in 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 esports? I mean, it's essential. You know, a legal thing is the basis of everything. You know, the game itself is you know protectable work. And need to be able to do anything using the game, whether to host tournaments or to stream, you need a license, which is, you know, a written agreement to use the IP of the game. So really the basis of everything involved in esports and gaming is, you know, legal and rights and stuff yeah. associated with it. Yeah. And then when and then when you kind of start focusing on, you know, the individual team or gamer themselves, you have to kind of look at yourself. You know, especially when you're making real money as though you're a business and, you know, typical businesses, Fortune 500 companies and everything else operates pr- with legal, with contracts, with proper business structure, paying your taxes, 
you know, getting proper work authorization if you're a foreign citizen and, you know, operating like yeah. a real business. And, you know, that's part of it. And essentially when the industry started, most people didn't really kind of look at it and didn't really see like, okay, like I'm signing this 20 page contract. I'm getting a thousand dollars a month. Am I really going to spend, you know, a thousand or 2000 or whatever it is on a lawyer to look at it? I don't know. But now that you're getting six figures a year and you're signing a 20 plus page agreement, that's locking yeah. you up for three years. People are really starting to understand, you know, the level of what they're doing and, you know, the long-term ramifications yeah. of what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if you sign a contract and it might not exactly what you said, I mean, even if it's a thousand or 5,000 bucks uh, a month, if those revenues are going up, the contract is still there. So uh, <clears throat> sometimes, the, the the small uh, paragraphs come up uh, and then you're doing 100K a month and, and maybe the contract is not so fun anymore. So okay. it's actually, uh, we, we talked about uh, something about tax, but if you're a streamer and, and, and you get donations, is that taxable? Yeah, you know, that it's not actually like a you know, charitable donation because they're not yeah. a nonprofit. So they're essentially just getting money. It's kind of like a tip that a bartender yeah. gets, I would say, that, you know, it's taxable, taxable income that you have to yeah. declare. How many people wouldn't? I mean, you know, the thing about it is that all these websites probably have to be connected to a bank account or use your social security number or some yeah. you know, EIN number. So there's some sort of paper trail that exists. So, you know, if you're making a couple hundred, fifty, hundred dollars for a year, it's probably not going to draw red flags. But if you're making thousands, if not, you know, tens to twenties, fifty thousand dollars a year, you know, there'll definitely be a paper trail. And, you know, if you don't declare it, the IRS and, you know, state government yeah. agencies may find it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, it came up like so many kids are streaming and, 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 and maybe they make some money of advertising. I mean, um, hell, I could actually make money with my podcast with, with advertising, but yeah, it's all taxable. Uh, hey, and, and <clears throat> so how do you, how do you actually walk around in this industry? I mean, uh, yeah, obviously you, you would like to offer your services. So how do you, uh, find your new clients? I mean, or, uh, uh, are you being approached? How does it work? How does your day-to-day -day work look like? Well, you know, you know, it's a combination of both. I mean, I really kind of started out working, you know, in-house and outside counsel for a bunch of different talent agencies. So I was able to really familiarize myself with working with talent, sourcing them, as well as, you know, the contracts that they were signing. So from there, I was just able to kind of create a network of people that work at teams, people that are, you know, players, coaches, and, a lot of it is by referral and, you know, I do fun things like these podcasts to try to, you know, get my name out there and, you know, try to go to networking events and panels and all these yeah. different conferences to try yeah. to meet the right people. Yeah. And then um, what is your most, I mean, what is being requested the most as a service from an attorney within esports? I mean, I would obviously say, you know, obviously if you're a player signing a contract and, you know, something that's really important that goes overlooked a lot is, you know, protection of a gamer tag if you're a streamer or yeah. a professional gamer, as well as, you know, a team name and proper clearance of it, making sure you can even own the yeah. name that you want to use. You know, sometimes you have these teams that have a great name and want to use it, and it's like, it's a great name for a reason. You know, someone else is already using something similar yeah. in a similar class. So, 
you know, you really can't. Yeah, use funny. It. Yeah, so that's that's actually uh, <clears throat> advice number one: uh, check the name before you actually start using it online, and 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 make it even look bigger or make it bigger, because one day someone can actually knock on the door and say, "Hey, uh, thank you very much, but you're not allowed, so you need to pay me." I guess. Yeah, yeah change it, it even worse. <laughs> hey, and and um. So that that that's more like on 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 the gamers side, but if if you look at uh, at the leaks, for example, um, uh, or or the developer, um, <clears throat> do you have clients in that range? Where, uh, for example, you have the big companies that have the the the, the number one games, and and people are organizing tournaments with pricing. Um, they sort of allow it, but to a certain level. Um, is that something that you're also familiar with? Yeah, you know, we definitely help, you know, both indie developers as well as, you know, even brands working in the space. So we've done, you know, sponsorship deals for peripheral companies like, you know, keyboards and headsets, sponsoring a team or organization or helping, you know, a tournament organizer setting up the rules and infrastructure for yeah. tournaments they're hosting or trying to acquire the proper licenses from the yeah. developers. And then if you if you look now, I mean, you, you've seen a lot of contracts and you don't have to say uh, or mention uh, names and, and, and figures, but I, I'm, I'm lately seeing a lot of emails coming in my inbox where people say, I wonder, are, are all these esports teams profitable? Um, do they have positive EBITDAs? What is your uh, idea on that? I mean, I think Mark Cuban might have said it best recently that, you know, investing in a North American esports organization, especially one who's looking to put, you know, 25 to 30 million towards a franchise yeah. slot is probably not the most prudent, you know, invest investment. And as someone who's kind of, you know, seen how a lot of teams operate, people can't look at like this investment of, you know, these 20, 30 million dollars that a phase or an envy or optic or immortals get as really like money that's that's what they're worth usually it's really more to pay expenses or to pay these buy-in fees or to pay yeah. salaries for players so while you're seeing all these large numbers it's not really income because it's really more to cover the operating yeah. expenses of the entity hoping that you know year three year five year ten when you really kind of extrapolated what you can do to the fullest you'll be able to recover this money and your return will be yeah. you know, substantially yeah. higher. By that so, time. Yeah. We'll see. You know, I think it's a very big gamble, but, you know, a lot of them come for, from traditional sports and tech investors who, you know, $20 million is an investment, but it's kind of diversifies their portfolio and it complements it because, you know, if you're a crunky and you own the Nuggets, for you to take some of the brands that you're already working with the Denver Nuggets and bring them over to your esports team, yeah. it's a lot of the same calls. It's a you know really just expanding what you can offer them, which you know I think definitely. Well, that's expanding the synergies. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like we can host our Overwatch leagues at team yeah. at our facility that we own. Thus, we can you know have a team that always be in there. So while maybe we don't always have NBA, NHL, and these other sports going on. We can fill it in with twice a month. Yeah. We have our home overwatch. And now during COVID, actually, the, the, the regular sports, we now still say regular sports. And then we say in, in compared to esports, but yeah, esports, maybe it's already regular. But for, <clears throat> for, for now, I mean, um, 
uh, Chris uh, mentioned in one of his um, items uh, uh, NASCAR. Um, so uh, average age of people that go to the track watching NASCAR is is, is uh, well everything above forty five or something. Um, but now these drivers are actually racing online, so young kids are watching, and now quote unquote the elderly are also watching online um so so regular sports are coming online um is that an extra boost for esports and will that remain also after COVID? i mean i definitely think that it's you know great kind of putting it in front of everyone's face to see how it does otherwise it might not be able to give in the shiner like you know for instance yesterday the <clears throat> nba 2k week was on espn yeah. 2 at 7 p.m it's like you know, 7 p.m. to 10 o'clock, that's like prime time (laughs) slot on a weekday. So, like, I don't think that they would traditionally give it to NASCAR or Madden or FIFA or any of these games if they had some a baseball game or, you know, a basketball game to televise. But because it wasn't there, it kind of gave you an idea and the chance to kind of test out how can we present this? How can we do a presentation around it? Who can we hire to you know, do pregame analysis? How do we actually execute this? And and, and, then Since it was yesterday, have you seen anything of ratings? I mean, um, I know that the first week was not that impressive, but when you look at the numbers getting on Twitch and YouTube, it's like, okay, you know, 40,000 plus compared to, you know, yeah. a couple thousand you're getting on Twitch. Yeah. That's a huge jump, you know, and, and we don't also know how China, what those numbers are like, because you have, you know, Gen G, which yeah. has their Shanghai team that has a deal with Tencent. So, you know, I don't really know what those numbers are. I don't know if yeah. <laughs> ever know them. But, you know, I think that the fact that ESPN would dedicate, you know, they've been doing, they're going to be doing it for every yeah. Tuesday till the end of May really shows that there is something enough here that they want to, the you know, give it a shot. And that, 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 so this is till the end of May. This is all bound to COVID. I mean, um, do you think there is a shot that, once we go back to quote unquote normal, then ESPN or other broadcasters will keep on broadcasting it because it's it's now becoming more like a regular sport. I mean, I hope, you know, it's an optimistic guy, but in the reality is I think that if it's between, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers or, you know, Golden State Warriors game or Lakers game with LeBron versus the NBA two K League. I think that these kind of companies are going to have a hard time not going with the live sport just because, you know, unless the numbers are amazing. Like if you had League of Legends that had, you know, millions of people had amazing ratings, just something that just, you know, blew projections out of the water, then you might have had a shot. But, you know, realistically, I haven't heard of that yet, but. You know, who knows how long we have to see if it happens. I did ask uh, Yvonne also the question, like, uh, do you have a ballpark? uh, What an an average fee is for a pro gamer uh, uh, that is out there? I I mean, it really, a lot of it kind of depends on the game. I would say, you know, that if you were one of the franchise leagues, like an Overwatch league or Call of Duty, you probably have a higher salary. Obviously, you have the minimum 50K for those leagues. And, you know, in my experience, most players are making, you know, substantially more than that, yeah. especially in Call of Duty. You know, you have some players making, you know, six figures plus, 150, 200,000 yeah. or more a year. 
And then, you know, smaller games, you might be making a couple thousand yeah. or a couple hundred a month. You know, and then it all really kind of depends on what the organization is, the, the number of tournaments you can compete in. If, you know, you're in a community where, you know, say Fortnite, where they were hosting these huge multi-million dollar yeah. prize yeah. pools where the team could win a substantial amount, you may get paid more to be on their team and compete on behalf of them. But, you know, smaller games where it's, you know, less sporadic, where the prize pools are smaller, you know, the salaries, you know, are less and kind yeah. of everything is comparable. To hey, and if um, my son is playing Fortnite and he says, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to become a, a pro gamer. And um, so what should I tell him? I mean, if he signs a contract, I guess uh, it's not only fun playing games and, and training. I mean, what kind of commitments do you sign? Uh, what do you sign for if, if, if you become part of a team? I mean, as a player, um, it has something with nutrition, uh, normal sports, I mean, workouts, um, uh, any any of these things in contracts where they have to, uh, well, I'm not using the right word, obey, but uh, what they have to um, to live by. Yeah. 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 A bunch of obligations. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, every contract is different, but, you know, a lot of them have, you know, a set number of streaming hours that you have to do on the platform. You have to display their jersey and put all their sponsors on your social yeah. media and overlay and sometimes you have to do a set number of promotional appearances on behalf of the team or the sponsor so you could have to do a meet and greet at a convention or you know stay after at a tournament and be part of like the stuff yeah. the scuff gaming depot and you know meet yeah. fans and test out the new products so you definitely have a bunch of different obligations and you know a lot of teams have you know, mental coaches and you know physical programs that they want you to do and have nutritionists that kind of prepare meals for you. And when you're in kind of boot camps and like, you know, training mode for a tournament or, you know, a league match, you're even more yeah. focused and locked in on these. That's uh, staying in the villa. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm reading sometimes they have complete villas for teams. Yeah, you know, you just get one of those Airbnbs in the middle of wherever you bring the computers and you hook it up and it's like, okay, wake up at eight, play till lunch, play till dinner, play till yeah. sleep, repeat. Amazing. Hey, and, and, um, and brands and esports. I mean, what has been, uh, what was the most uh, interesting thing you've seen brands doing in esports so far? I mean, I love seeing all the, you know, non-traditional, the non-endemic brands coming over and trying to figure out ways to, yeah. you know, authentically activate. You know, I love some of the activations that are going on. Like, I really thought that the Fortnite activations yeah. with Star Wars and Thanos and Stranger Things and really kind of infusing pop culture into the gaming space. You know, obviously the concert with Marshmallow and Travis Scott. I just think that this stuff is great. And, you know, the fact that you can get you know, 20 million people all at once in the same spot to listen to something or to do something together is, yeah. you know, groundbreaking, really. You know, it really going to totally change the game. And it'll be interesting to see how brands kind of hone in on this. You know, will the next concert be sponsored by Boost Mobile featuring, you know, yeah. these three DJs? So now you have a brand that's maybe looking in the space that's now going to have, like, you know, a branded item in-game. You know, get your Boost yeah. Mobile Boost Pack that, you know, gives you higher jumps and dance moves as part of, you know, coming to see this concert, you know, is that going to be the new thing where 
brands are going to continue to find ways to integrate into you know games yeah. that they're trying to get into. So, if we look at uh, the future, let's say two twenty five, is is esports then gaming or is esports entertainment? I mean, I think the e in esports is for entertainment. You know, that's kind of what brought me to it. Is you know the medium is just what's different. Instead of shooting a basketball, you know, shooting a virtual basketball. So it's just. I think the teamwork, the intensity, the mental game that comes with it is, you know, really similar. And I guess the real future is how is the live event experience going to change? Like, you know, I've talked to a bunch of companies that talking about how you're going to enhance the viewer experience. You know, is the stadium going to shake when, you know, a bomb blows up? Is it going to go red? All the lights are going to go red when a kill happens. Like is VR and virtual reality where like you put on a headset and, you could run around as this character and then switch to the next guy and, you know, see their view. So, you know, I think that's really, you know, where the future is heading. And, you know, once the whole world kind of gets back to having these, you know, live large scale events, I can, you know, see that is where, you know, esports is. For a lot of people, uh, esports is still uh, uh, five guys sitting on the left, five guys on, on, on the right and um, some screens, uh, Above them, a big screen and then a shitload of people in, 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 in the room. Um, but it's also now more on mobile and it can be done remote. Um, so mobile esports, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I love mobile esports. I'm really interested in the space and trying to figure out ways to get into it because, you know, realistically, most everyone, you know, especially in you know America and across the world, has a smartphone, usually tied to their smartphone or yeah. device or tablet. And, you know, whether it's solitaire or we were mentioning Candy Crush, Words with Friends, or, you know, much more high-tech games, everyone at some level, I would say, is gaming at some point, whether it's on the subway, in yeah. the cab, or you're, <laughs> Killing you know, time. in the bathroom. And, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, like it, it's one of those things where from chess to checkers to Scrabble to – you know, board game world to now yeah. everything's kind of the digital yeah. board game world. And then the high casual uh, games like uh, quick and dirty uh, shooter rocket in, uh, in, in, in the universe. And then the next, I mean, yeah. Um, but uh, so um, funny enough, you said something with, uh, with, with VR. I mean, do you, do you think VR is coming to esports, and is that for the players itself or is that for us as, as a viewer? I mean, I'm, I think that the kinks definitely have to be worked out, and it's probably something that's not as close as we might hope it to be. But I think it's for both. I think, you know, as a player, for you to be able to really see around the yeah. corner when you're sniping or, you know, to really be in it, I think we'll add just a whole other element to it. And I think as a viewer, it'll just really enhance your experience. Because like you said, you know, sitting looking at a screen like it's a movie or looking at, you know, people sitting down in chairs, it it's not as you know not as exciting it's not as much of a thrill as you know if you're following his movements and you know he's peeking around the corner and then boom out of nowhere you get killed and you didn't yeah. even see it and he didn't even see it you know to be able to like really experience that like the shock yeah. of like out of nowhere you just get sniped i was reading an article today um was in a dutch newspaper and it said well the generation right now the young generation um yeah maybe uh they will be forgotten they they well with covid they have to be inside or 
well, also a way to social distancing. So, yeah, what can they do? And and uh, the the journalist made a uh, referred to the eighties, where yeah, uh, <clears throat> there was a lot of things happening in 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 the world, and and you had punk as music. And um, uh, the ratio of, of unemployment rates uh, were very high uh, because they had no future. Um, um, today, I'm actually thinking like, hey, there is potentially compared to the 80s so much more. I mean, you can actually go online. You can start playing a game. You can train. You can become better. And then you can actually open an, a channel on Twitch, YouTube, whatsoever. You can be somebody um any thoughts coming to your mind when i say this i mean how how normally people would say like yeah there, I mean, there's I... another comparison with, with with playing soccer so some of the pro players i always say like yeah they they were allowed to play as much as they can on a little field on a square in in, in town um, and, and, and everyone is now saying, uh, look at Tiger Woods. Uh, his, his, his father was like, okay, train, train, train. And everyone's saying like, yeah, he was really, really persistent, uh, Tiger, because uh, you had, he has trained so much. And now look at him. He has made millions. Uh, look at Van Basten or uh, Ronaldo or Messi, yeah, because they trained so much. And now uh, a lot of people are still saying, yeah, and then these kids and they're sitting behind a screen and that's no sport and and... And then Fortnite was was one that was sort of going global. That some guys made a million plus, and uh, quickly you saw some some change of perception. Um, I mean, so there are choices right now. You you can become somebody online, right? Yeah, you know, I think that there's definitely a lot less barriers, especially in you know the gaming and digital space, where if you know you want it. You know, like you said, the same way Messi would probably you know, play <laughs> yeah. soccer from dusk till dawn when he woke up and yeah. went to sleep, you know, dribbling the ball, kicking the ball is the same way. You know, if you want to get good at, you know, Overwatch or Fortnite where you're playing constantly and you're doing the right things and streaming consistently and, you know, developing your own personality. You know, I find it similar to what's going on in the music world in the last few years where traditionally back in the day, the only way to exist was you got signed yeah. by a label who put you on the radio, who got you concerts and got you CDs and, you know, now it's like you could just put up a Twitch yeah. channel and YouTube and use Bandcamp and CD Baby and, you know, you get a break because John Legend likes something that you did and you get retweeted a million times yeah. and now Atlantic Records is knocking on your door. You know, and it's like the barriers to the world and to a lot of people at once just don't exist as much. Like, you know, you could be in your bedroom and click live and you have thousands of people watching you consistently yeah. like. That's, That's the same with DJs. Uh, you can better be a producer that that is creating music uh, from from your 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 bathroom, the attic, or wherever you are from your home, and then DJs are using it, and and you get paid for it, and and, and you don't have to travel and 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 get completely nuts from all the traveling. Um, and 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 that's basically with with well with with gaming with streaming. I mean, bottom line, you're training while you're streaming and people are interacting with you or can give you tips and, and, and from there on anything can go. You can become maybe a pro player. Um, so it's, it's, it's a whole, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole journey right now that you can do from, well, I shouldn't say the lazy chair because then people say like, see, yeah, they're actually sitting on their ass and not moving. Um, 
but yeah i mean you can do it from home you 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 can create your own career uh in any game that is out there and get picked up by maybe a team that is scouting because let's let's talk about how how pro players are being found i mean like with with nba nfl soccer are there scouts out there um and then online i guess Yeah, you know, I definitely would say that, especially in games that have ladders, a lot of, you know, the talent scouts and coaches and, you know, analysts that work for teams are looking at what players are rising up, who's near the top, if there's tournaments, who's finishing in the top. And, you know, a lot of players kind of come from other players where, like, you know, someone that they're friends with says, yo, this kid's really good, play with him. And then you start playing with him, you say, oh, wow, he's great, like, we should bring him on, you know. A lot of it kind of comes from other people that are within the scene playing against someone who's like, oh, wow, this kid's great or this team's great. Yeah. Like, you know, so if, 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 if I don't think a lot of kids are listening, but let's say uh, some kids were listening, the parents, uh, father, mom who's in gaming, listening to my podcast and there's a young boy or girl listening with them. And, and, and how can they become a pro gamer? What does it take? You just got to play a lot, you know, like you have to play a lot and be good at it. But I think, you know, more than being a pro gamer to be like, you know, have a career in the gaming space as, you know, influencer or content creator or streamer, because, you know, that's much more of a long term, higher, you know, return on investment. If you look at, you know, the Forbes list of the top earners, most all of those guys that are making, you know, 10 million plus last year are streamers and content creators. They're not really the professional gamers who are competing in, you know, tournaments. You know, unless you're playing Dota 2 and winning the international, there aren't that many opportunities to become, you know, multimillionaires. But, you know, if you're building a brand around it, whether you're Ninja or Shroud or Tifu or any of these people, that has a lot more longevity. And, you know, that really comes with consistency and being unique and people liking you and, you know, finding you know, what makes you, you like, you know, PewDiePie has his funny sounds and, you know, Ninja has his headband and, you know, he reacts and, you know, everyone has their own style. And, you know, that would be my advice is that, you know, you just have to do it and do it consistently and you have to kind of be authentic and, you know, let people see who you are. You know, if you really love Dragon Ball Z, then you got to be Goku and go crazy when you kill, you win and, you know, really, embrace the persona you want to be so that brings me to brands again uh um the engaging engaging part i mean um if if you look at ninja i mean he he, well uh, his color hair that's one that's part of his image but i mean if he uh well he has his own shoes if he's wearing something or he's saying it is pretty cool do people believe um uh, that it's genuine versus someone that maybe has ten thousand viewers subscribers that basically is checking out a keyboard and says okay i'm actually playing with it i got it you know you should know i got it and um, i'm playing with it actually this is pretty cool because it's what i said um who has the more impact ninja or uh, uh the smaller the long tail part of of streaming I mean, I think that those are, you know, really different. I think that if you're looking at someone like Ninja, there's already inherent, like, okay, like, yeah, you may have 2 million, 3 million, whatever. So there has to be people that aren't, like, die hard. I love this guy. You know, like, they're just fans because they're fans. But someone who has, you know, maybe a smaller 
you know, following that's, you know, really active, you know, okay, they don't have millions of impressions and potential reach, but this is people that are really active. So I'll probably get a pretty good percentage of people believing like, okay, like, yeah, he could probably use any mouse or keyboard that he wants. So if he's really using this one, he probably likes it. Whereas, you know, we think about Ninja, it's probably like, okay, like, he can use any mouse or keyboard and has probably been offered any mouse or keyboard. So it probably starts to come down to, yeah. you know, what the, and then uh, <clears throat> they obviously watch closely if he's using it the next time and the next time. I mean, but yeah, whatever he touches uh, turns into gold in the sense of people might just buy it because they're a big fan of him. I don't know. How did his Samsung, did Samsung sales go up? Because of the Good one. I've not seen any, any uh, news on that. I think it's a brand recognition. It's connecting the brand to Fortnite. It's not just about awareness. Yeah, it's been it's cool. More about Samsung like, is Fortnite. Like, Samsung is doing something with Fortnite. <clears throat> I guess many brands want to. Um, but I'm still wondering. Yeah, well, okay. Then, then we go a step further. I mean, uh, Coca-Cola is still broadcasting commercials, uh, different kind of commercials, one for women, more for uh, students, these kind of things. And that, that those are more brand commercials. Um, but in the end, everything needs an ROI, right? I mean, um, so I can say, yeah, okay, I'm doing some brand campaign. Some of my budget is more for brand awareness. But yeah, in the end, the brands need to make money. So... Uh, there, there is a, there is also uh, uh, they 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 need to have ROI. I mean, is is esports going towards a point where brands can actually measure? I mean, um, there should be companies that uh, are going to look at data, are going to look at viewers. How many viewers did you have? How many people engage? How many people uh, turn to? Uh, uh, buying a product and, 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 and that obviously needs to be optimized. I mean, uh, esports needs to get more professional on that level, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's really kind of really in its infancy where like it wasn't that long ago that they weren't dealing with, you know, Fortune 500, Nabisco and Gillette and, yeah. you know, the Unilever, these Audi. Things kind of I mean, companies that have existed what the forever. F, Audi, Audi, Mercedes. Yeah, I mean, Audi, Mercedes. Why? I mean, uh, these kids can't afford an Audi. Um, well. But I guess it's more like you see it so that when you are at that point where it's like, okay, I'm going to do between Infiniti and Audi and BMW. Oh, yeah, but I – but I, I really liked what, you know, the BMW 2K yeah. series that they did. Yeah, so okay. The BMW. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's really what's really interesting to me and is kind of the really the college esports scene. Like, I'm really interested in, you know, that demographic, the kids that are interested in watching the scene as well as people that are participating in it. Because, you know, I think that the value in the whole esports and gaming space is, oh, yes, these are – tech savvy people it's a very hard to reach demographic so i'm looking at the college scene is like these are like the you know the top percentage of this demographic the people that are you know engaged in college or trying to have a professional career but you know still love gaming still love some of these more mainstream titles and chances are if you know you're using a hyper hyperx headset throughout college and you know when you get out and you want to buy your nice big computer because now you got your first job and you're making a good amount of money. It's like, okay, I'm going to buy the really nice wireless HyperX headset because yeah. I've always liked them and I know how to use them. And 
you know, I think that that's definitely a demographic that I'm really looking at and figuring out how to, you know, activate on and bring brands to that specific yeah. segment. And it's funny because you're, you're touching something. Um, so um, I think it's more right now in the U.S., but you see scholarships uh, for esports. Um, that's that's almost like the same. Like, okay, you want to become a, a pro basketball player, and um, uh, you you basically have to get well certain. Uh, well, you get some money on on, on the side. So, to, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get money and housing and, you know, like i am actually been in talk with a bunch of different varsity programs. So it's like, you know, they scout you, they bring you in to check out the campus exactly. the way, yeah. you know, they would a football or basketball player. And, you know, and then you have obligations where it's like, you know, your practice might be, you know, every other day for three hours. And then you have, yeah. you know, an hour prep time a week. And, you know, you have certain obligations and tournaments that you're training for the same way yeah. you know any other because then then sport. yeah it's it there is the similarities with, with the, the regular sports dare i say it again and esports um because then uh yeah it's 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 basically during your your school time your university time you can actually prep so you you, you do get a degree you get that paper but in the meantime you have a shot uh, to well, stardom, being famous. I mean, that obviously that's a dream. Yeah, you get some of the money, you know. Especially if you're, you know, like oh, college is really expensive. But if you're getting, you know, a couple thousand dollars, ten, twenty thousand dollars, whatever it is, plus the opportunity to win and the fame, know, because and that's that's what tournament. every movie is showing with with a. Uh, American football, where uh, the cheerleaders are completely in love with the players. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they'll be the legends guys are getting that kind of, you know, but it definitely what you like, you know, it definitely will be exposed to similar people with the same passion and interests as you. And, you know, I think it goes to like the whole idea of the fraternities and Greek life on college is like, you want to network and develop relationships, personal yeah. ones with people that are similar to you, you know, that hopefully you'll all go work in the gaming and esports space and, you know, you'll graduate and work at a blizzard or yeah. a ride or a you can work in gaming. Or a developer yeah. or, you know, anything <laughs> yeah. else. And it's like, Oh, that, exactly. And, you know, it's like, Oh, my boy works here. And, yeah. you know, we used to yeah, play well, League of Legends exactly. together. So uh, if you don't become a programmer, you can still be, uh, become a, a streamer with, with, with good solid revenues because people are buying into what you say, do, um, <clears throat> Going to the end, um, if you, you, you touched it, franchise. Um, same with with Ivan. The way he said, basically, uh, with Evos, uh, they they basically buy a spot. Um, well, I think w we agree that certain spots are uh, ridiculous uh, amounts. Uh, I even had uh, decks coming in, pitch decks where esports teams said, "Ah, perf, we need about four million. I mean, they they hardly have any experience, but four million to buy a spot." 40 million to buy a spot, but you know, then we have all the visibility. Yeah, right. Um, but let's, let's compare those leagues. I mean, I'm right to assume uh, that, for example, you have the Premier League, which is the soccer league in, in the UK, uh, the Bundesliga in Germany. You, you have uh, uh, Serie A in Italy. Yeah, <clears throat> Primera, uh, Spain. Those are big leagues, and, and that's soccer. And then you have NFL, you have NBA. Uh, NHL. Apparently, if you 
add all those revenues together, that number is still lower than esports in total because every game is a Premier League or is an NFL or is an NBA. And then there is another game that is basically, yeah, an NBA. Um, so right now <clears throat> in, in, in the gaming space, they basically say that all these sports together, the regular sports together and revenues is still lower than the total revenues of esports. I'm, I'm, I would say in time, I can see that. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. The NFL gets like a billion dollars. I think. I can't really believe that yet. I, so I, I like, can see that. Maybe gaming. Like, if you say gaming, where you're talking about video game sales and equipment. Like, if you're saying computers, like if you're putting everything that's related to video games. No, it's it's without games, hardware. Whether it's mouse it's without sales, hardware. So, sales. <clears throat> what I'm seeing right now is it's we're going to 160. Uh, yeah, well, if Just if you say like total events. gaming, then I think we're around 160 billion or something this year. Well, I don't know what Nuzu was uh, forecasting, but it was a shitload. But as as, as you're saying, I mean. Um, uh, some of the well, NFL. I mean, uh, I mean, I also think it depends on what market. What I say in like Asia or you know Korean market yeah. versus you know an American market. I yeah, think, you know, those are definitely. But do you, do you have any 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 numbers, for example, that come to your mind? Like, okay, so I mean, the 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 rights of League of Legends were sold in 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 China. I think for hundred million. Was it for four years or or two years that that that. I think it was sort of a YouTube company that bought the rights so they can broadcast League of Legends uh, exclusively in China. I mean, um, that's China alone, 100 million. Uh, and at this point, I mean, in the future with esports going wider, I guess that can go up to a billion. And then you have the US, you have Europe, you have Latin, you have Southeast Asia. I mean, and that's per game. So I guess if if I hear the number and I, then I'm thinking, yeah, I guess for the future, so I, guess I guess it's possible. Yes. But at this time, <laughs> sometimes they, they, they make these calculations and I'm thinking like, oof. I see a lot of wishful thinking already in esports. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going back to kind of, you know, the franchise buy-in and the models as someone who's, you know, looked at some of these pitch decks and involved in some of this bid process, I do think that, the projections that they're presented are very optimistic. You know, I think they take into account a lot of things going, you know, pretty well. Like, you know, I'm sure they didn't envision a global pandemic causing them to not be able to have home events for, you know, the foreseeable future and, you know, all the lost revenue that yeah. comes from yeah. that. So then, then relating to that, that's my last question. Distribution or content? Who's king or who's emperor? <laughs> I mean, you need yeah. content to distribute. So, you know, no, 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 no. That's too easy. You need both. Put there. You need both. But I mean, if you have to invest. Well, yeah, yeah, you need both. You need to be able to distribute the content. But if you don't have anything to distribute, okay, then I'll make a difference. Then what's the point of having I give you five million right now. And you have to do something in gaming. Are you going to spend five million in a. Uh, in, in, in a big esports company, uh, we have seen one going IPO, Fancy Clan. I mean, a big company. Well, there are several. Um, or um, are you going to scout a good player? 
like uh, become so messy? Or are you going to look for tech, tech that can facilitate something in esports? I mean, where? I mean, this is a great question because, you know, the best investment I want or what do I think the best investment, you know, in my ideal yeah. world, well, first of all, go with my ideal world. I, I would love to, you know, and I've definitely been in talks with create, you know, like really an entertainment esports company that really kind of operates the way phase does where you, yes, you have competitive teams, but you're also really focused on content creation and unique activations and brands and one-offs and finding the right way to kind of be part of pop culture and, you know, really engaging that way than just trying to feel competitive yeah. teams and win every tournament you go in. You know, I just think that that would just be much more along, you know, my interests, you know, but I definitely can see, you know, tournament providers, you know, people that are organizing the events and being where everyone's going to as, you know, having a lot of longevity and a lot of ways to kind of make money from, you know, helping developers get exposure to their games, to helping brands get their product to your viewers, to working with different teams and, you know, whatever influencers and broadcasters you want to, you know, really develop, you know, your yeah. platform and yeah. you know, get viewers there. Yeah, I, I still think it, it would be some sort of tech because I think it's still very unshaky with, with either teams, if they're going to make it, um, I mean, uh... I think it all depends on how you run it. And, you know, like the biggest thing I've noticed is, you know, just because you have some experience, maybe working for a traditional sports team or working with a brand, doesn't necessarily mean you understand, you know, the way gaming and esports and community engagement and this market and this specific segment and personalities, you know, because these aren't the traditional people that are maybe looking at, you know, whatever shop Nova or, you know, something Navy, who's one of these big fashion bloggers that a lot of these, you know, mainstream people follow. They're not looking at what the Kardashians are doing and, you know, the real housewives and some of these really powerful influencers that exist over here in, you know, us pop culture. The yeah. gaming space yeah. is kind of really detached from that. They're not really specifically a part of it. So you have to be able to engage with those personalities who may be, are against that like they really don't want anything to do with you know bravo yeah. and you know reality tv so it's like you can't just have people that just have worked in entertainment or sports or more used to engaging with you know the more general population and then this more segmented unique um, yeah. kind of portion Great. of the population thanks we're uh we have an hour and uh very interesting um, for everyone who's listening. Um, Justin is uh, of uh, Jacobson Firm. I have the details uh, in my blog uh, how you can contact him and uh, some of his social media. Um, I want to thank you, Justin. Uh, uh, very nice insights and, and, and uh, feedback. Um, Let's uh, let's stay in uh, close contact, and and also if you have something interesting to uh, to share, then uh, feel free to um, reach out because uh, I think you you have a very interesting profession, and as I said, legal is a necessity, and um, uh, and I think uh, as as I always say, <clears throat> when you sign a contract, uh, obviously you need to read it properly, but 
if you sign it, it, it goes somewhere in, in, in the dungeons and it only comes out if, if the shit hits the fan. Um, but it needs to be sorted out in a, in a, in a proper way. So um, thanks for your insights on eSports. Thanks for having me. You know, this is great. And, you know, like you said, follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. My DMs are open. Yeah. So or uh, jacobsonfirm.com. I have it on my blog uh, and in description so everyone can check it out and uh, also LinkedIn. So uh, uh, I'm sure if you want to get good advice on, on legal, then uh, Justin will be the man. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you uh, liked the interview and um, also check out uh, the episode we had here before, the esports in Southeast Asia. It's booming. And EVOS esports, um, as I said, they have a clear roadmap to become a dominant player. Um, it was very interesting uh, talking to Ivan. Um, it's uh it's it's really refreshing i i, I like the way he was very humble and um um I, that's also the reason why i think you should actually check it out um joachim was talking about supercell 10 years uh, uh anniversary but episode 25 he was also checking out and he found five theme five items where he thought like where supercell was standing out uh, but then we also discussed with Doki, who has a platform called Utomic, and how indie developers can showcase their games. Um, yeah, Kate Edwards we had on 23, uh, Xola on 24, Yvette 1, which was really interesting, the role of algorithms and social interactions, uh, 22. Well, there you go. Check it out. And um, as always... Um, how I end this episode. Ciao for now. This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.